1: plus how much you bent? it's time for the press two guys 60 minutes here they are One of them has been a member of the press for better than four decades. The other was able to bench press over 400 pounds in his prime as an NFL tight end and member of the Jags offensive line. Here they are, the hosts of the press, Gene Furnette of the Florida Times Union and former Jaguar tight end Damon Jones. Let's rack them up and start the press with Gene Furnette and Damon Jones here on The Game.
2: Hey everybody out there, we're having a little uh, little technical issues here. Well we'll get that straightened out. I'm Gene Fournette, sports columnist from the Florida Times Union, hosting the press each and every Thursday night. We were on one-week hiatus last week because of Thanksgiving. I'm back in studio here with my cohort, former Jaguars tight end Damon Jones to talk about all things Jaguars and all things that have not been good since Damon and I were last in studio two weeks ago. And, and Damon, uh, I I don't know how you you feel at this point of the season, but uh, uh, in my mind, the only only thing good about the rest of the season is the Jaguars fans get a chance to get back on the Minshew Mania train and maybe – Maybe be able to generate some excitement for this last month of the season.
3: Uh, it's definitely been tough to watch over this last month. Uh, when you when you talk about the Jaguars and their offense and defense and the way they've played, uh, the way they've been outscored, uh, it's really bad. So uh, for Minshew to come back, the change to be made. Uh, obviously, I think Doug Marone is coaching for you know to try and save his job. You know if he can win these last games and you know obviously hopefully get eight and eight uh you know maybe that could save his job I don't think so at this point I think the writing is on the wall um, you know hopefully the guys continue to play hard uh obviously you know you don't want to put any bad film out there as a guy that's a uh, young guy or even an old guy that could be you know you still evaluate it and uh We'll, we'll see some changes will be made I'm sure with the Jacksonville organization come this offseason.
2: Okay, well let, let let's go to the flip side to the uh other quarterback who lost his job, Nick Foles. <laughs> you paid 80 you you invested 88 million dollars in this guy, 50 million dollars guaranteed. That's that's the more much more important number. Um what do you see as the as a future for this guy? Is let's, you know, Doug has said that he would like to see Gardner means you play these last four games. So assuming that we not so we have seen the last of Nick Foles for this season. If you're the Jaguars, what do you do moving forward? You're looking at, you know, 33 almost 34 million dollars in a dead cap hit if you release him before June 1. Uh, you know, there's there's financially nothing makes sense to release Nick Foles in 2020. But uh, but the the flip side of that is if he's not going to give you that
3: kind of production do you move on and try to find somebody else oh well you, you look at the money obviously the money is a big factor uh when you look at that quarterback but you have a young Gardner Minshew who's going to be on a rookie contract so keeping nick Foles uh as a backup where he's been good at and he's he had some success uh, i don't know how healthy he is you know all the way from the, the clavicle injury that he suffered early in the season uh so i mean to cut him uh, you know, at the end of the season uh, would be, you know, financial, you know, kind of ruin. I think that, uh, you know, if you can work out a restructure, uh, maybe a trade, uh, you, you look, at, look at some offers, you know, maybe if he, you know, he does have some trade value. I don't know because he's not playing these last couple of games. So what trade value will he have uh, for another team? Uh, so I mean, the Jaguars are kind of in a tough spot, but they have a rookie-friendly cap with Minshew, so there's not a lot of money tied up, you know, uh, in that will be in that room. So they can still work out a long-term deal uh, after next season with Nick Foles, and they move from Nick Foles, and they can get Minshew to a uh, deal if he's the, the he if he fer- if he turns out to be the guy. Obviously, he still has to you know earn the job as well because uh, you know he when he did have eight starts, he went four and four, so. Uh, You know, that's 500 football. So, I mean, you want somebody who's going to give you wins. And, uh, you know, I know the mania and and, uh, what he does uh, right now is is good for the Jaguars because there are offensive line troubles he's able to create with his legs. And that's what makes his mania so uh, appealing to the fans because he's able to keep plays alive and and make some good plays down the field. And Nick Foles was not able to do that, as we saw Sunday with the fumbles in the pocket where he was being sacked.
2: Well, uh, we asked uh, offensive coordinator John DiFilippo today. I said, it, "I said, is it fair to assess or lab, label, if you want to call it that, Gardner Minshew a high risk, high reward quarterback?" And he said, "Yeah, that is fair." And and clearly, his resume so far it certainly indicates that. I mean, Gardner Minshew, fourteen touchdowns, five interceptions. So when you look at the TD interception ratio, you say, "Hey, that's pretty good, right? Really good for a rookie." But then you look on the flip side. He had an NFL high 11 fumbles at the time that he was playing. Lost seven of those. And, uh, you know, so he needs to – the number one thing that Nick Foles needs to do in the month of December is do a better job of protecting the football. He, I mean, that's got to be – you can't be having turnovers. This, this offense cannot afford turnovers. And, and here's something else about Minshew, too, is in his last four starts, his completion ratio was only 55%. And my my feeling about Minshew is yes, the fans do get a lot more excited when he's in there. And they've almost had a tendency to maybe look past his flaws a little bit more because he's the new guy, he's the exciting guy, he's the mustache guy. But they don't they don't have it, they have a tendency to maybe gloss over a little bit uh some of the things that he doesn't do well. And these next four weeks are huge for Gardner Minshew because It's going to create at least some sort of judgment in the Jaguars' mind. Hey, is this guy really a long-term answer at the position? Or is he just a really, really strong backup quarterback?
3: Yeah, I mean, you look at his production, uh, him being able to uh, extend plays with his legs. Is that because he's making a bad read? Or is that because the receivers aren't creating enough separation? So I don't think it's always the receivers not creating enough separation. I think he's also uh, not reading uh, some things properly. I think he's made some mistakes. Obviously, we, you know, all football players make mistakes. So where is his maturity at this level? You know, as far as reading those coverages, where how has he gotten better? Uh, learning from Nick Foles, sitting on the bench the last four games, has he has he gotten better uh, as far as that? So I mean, obviously the Jaguars are going to continue to evaluate that. I uh, still think they need to evaluate that 88 mil as well. I don't know. uh, I mean, I understand why Doug made the decision because, you know, he's coaching for uh, wins now. Uh, So he's coaching for wins, and I think Minshew might give you the best chance to win right now, Uh, and that's what Doug made that decision. But how do you still evaluate Nick Foles is the question for the Jaguars because you still have to make a decision – uh, with that, you know, dead cap money, um, you know, obviously, the, you know, the designation that, you know, release them on June 1, those things, will the CBA be worked out? It's going to be a whole lot of things that need to be worked out, and that Nick Foles situation is going to be interesting to see. Well, speaking of misreads,
2: uh, one of the bigger plays in this past Sunday's game against Tampa Bay, Jaguars are on the two-yard line. Gardner Minshew, uh, you, you've got Keelan Cole lined up outside. You've got uh, D.D. Westbrook in the slot. Keelan cuts and goes in. Dee cuts and goes out toward the uh, – excuse me, Ke- I'm sorry. Keelan's in the slot. He cuts toward the back corner of the end zone. Dee lined up on the outside, cuts in, and Gardner tries to – a little bit of a hurry-up throw, a little bit of a hot, hot, hot pass, and it goes off Didi's hands, and Sean Murphy bunting makes the interception. Uh, what he didn't realize, if he had just pumped fake just for a second – Keelan Cole was wide open in the back all he would have to do was just do a little lollipop throw to him in the back of the end zone and Gardner acknowledged to Keelan after that play was over hey my bad uh you know and he said it when he was asked about it Wednesday you know next time I'll get that but that's a prime example rookie quarterback uh in a in a split second decision just makes the makes the wrong read in that in in that instance uh it cost you know, the team. it'll it'll you know it's it happens to a lot of quarterbacks But maybe two or three years with another year of
3: experience, Gardner Minshew makes that play. Possibly. I mean, D.D. Westbrook's got to make the play. I mean, it hits him in his hands. He's got to catch it. And, you know, even Gardner Minshew's first throw when he came into the game, Conley dropped it. It hit him right in the chest. So, uh, you know, I don't blame that all on Gardner, you know, as far as the the read. it should have He should have made the right read. But when he does make those throws, even with with Blake Borders, when he does make bad, good throws, we got to catch the ball. Yeah. gotta catch the ball.
2: Yeah, there's there's no question that Gardner's got Gardner's got to get, j- j- and the same holds true of Nick Foles. If they're not getting a, if they're not providing the quarterback with enough help, whether it's the receivers, whether it's the offensive line, whether it's the black hole position that your former position has become, in, uh, the tight end, <laughs> they, they've got to they've got to get production out of those things. Uh, we have got to get to a break here. Uh, when we when we come back. We'll talk a little bit about the Sunday's matchup, 4, 4.05 p.m. against the Los Angeles Chargers and Phillip Rivers. And I want to ask Damon, who's been on both ends of the spectrum, on playoff teams with the Jaguars and on teams that are kind of heading a little bit south come December, how you handle staying motivated. You are listening to the press right here on 97.3 The Game and AM 930 Jacksonville's Sports Leader.
1: with Gene Burnett and Damon Jones continues here on The Game.
2: Welcome back, everybody. Good Thursday night to everybody out there. You're listening.
0: Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Uh Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See
2: website for details. The press right here on 97.3 The Game, AM 930. I'm Gene Fournette, sports columnist from the Florida Times-Union, here in studio with former Jaguars tight end Damon Jones. And uh, unfortunately, since the last time Damon and I were in this studio two weeks ago, took a break for Thanksgiving, Um the Jaguars had a little modest amount of hope, but that's all that's all been ex- extinguished now. They're four and eight, uh, mathematically eliminated from the AFC South race, uh, barely hanging on to a last breath for the second wild card spot. But Damon, uh, listen, you've been you've been on both ends of the spectrum in your career with the Jaguars. You've been on three playoff teams, and you've also been on two teams where things didn't start started to go haywire. Five game losing streaks in 2000 and 2001, but in both of those instances, the Jaguars under Tom Coughlin kind of got it together a little bit and won three in a row, won four in a row to at least you know, you know, you, you didn't let the whole season come come undone. And I just want could you talk a little bit about that? You know, because a lot of people think, well, what do the Jaguars got to play for now? But if you look at it from a player's perspective, it's much different than looking at it from a fan's perspective.
3: Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I mean, I remember. You know, two thousand. I was an IR, so I was I was around the team, but I didn't, you know, go to a lot of the away games uh, in that season. I was home, I was here for the home games, and uh, you know, during that, you know, being around because I, I did go to some of the meetings. Uh, it was, you know, the whole focus was to keep pushing. You know, I mean, it was about doing your job. Uh, obviously, people were still getting evaluated. Uh, and Coffman made it known that people are still getting evaluated, and they still were making you know roster moves and transactions, uh, letting guys know that you know if you weren't playing up the par, that you know they were moving on guys. And I think uh, I think you'll see the same thing. You know, obviously the Jaguars want to evaluate their young talent. Uh, they want to see guys uh, that want to be here, uh, obviously have pride about themselves, the organization. Uh, and, and want to go out and put a good product out there uh, for the fans themselves their you know their families and just the game of football yeah you know i mean nobody wants to uh, play in a game where they're you're not giving it you know they're not trying their all that's how injuries happen and i think guys know that so that's why you'll see them give effort uh hopefully uh good enough effort to get some wins obviously and keep the morale up that's that's obviously the the, the hardest thing is when you lose you know everybody gets frustrated in the building nobody Wants to lose. Everybody, you know, puts in a lot of work during the week. And when you lose on Sunday, it's, it's really tough. Uh, then you have to come back the next week and you lose again and you lose again. Uh, it's real tough. You know, I mean, it, it, you know, that's why you have so much frustration you know, after the game, you know, four, you know, four losses that, you know, you have guys that are just, you know, they've kind of had it. So, you know, frustrations may boil over, but guys want to keep plugging. So when you have those frustrations, what that lets me know is these guys still are competing. They still want to win. They still have a fire about themselves. When you see guys confronting other starters and and things of that nature, that means that they, they feel that you're not doing good enough and you know what? You need to do better. And that shows that they really still want to, they're still going to compete.
2: Well, we certainly saw some of that frustration boil over in the locker room on Sunday when, uh, just before, just as the media was getting into the locker room, Unique uh, and Gakway and Brandon Linder had gotten into it, and you could you could hear the shouting still going on in the showers and all this stuff. And you know, we we, we I mean, obviously, we don't know what it's about, but it's it's obviously the frustration of losing and all this other stuff, and and we don't want to make. More of of something like that than it is. It just might be a heat of the moment thing, and then it and then it blows over. You know, it's not not so. I, I doubt that it'll be something that'll linger oh, or anything like will. that. But uh, there, there there's no question that the Jaguars they do have issues, and I I think one of their biggest issues right now is with the offensive line. I mean Leonard Fournette. I mean the guys. <laughs> Leonard Fournette has really done everything that you could possibly just about ask of him this year. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the holes just haven't been there in the last month. Hasn't had a hundred yard game in the last five games. Uh, obviously, has shown a better uh, proficiency for catching the ball, but
3: it, you know, it feels like they're wasting Leonard Fournette's prime year here. Oh yeah, I mean definitely. You look at uh, some of the things that have been going on. You know, I, and I told a buddy of mine. And I told I said on my Keep It Real podcast. Every time we have a, a long run, a big play, it seems like we have holding number sixty-eight, holding sixty-five. Uh, these guys are getting uh, penalties called back. You know, plays big plays called back, and it's consistent. And when you look at Doug Marone, who's an offensive line coach guy, that really doesn't set well with me. That he's allowing this play to 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 be the way it is. I mean, as a head coach. You know, you walk down there during practice. You know, you get on those guys, you know. It shouldn't be Ngakwe getting on Linder after the game. It should be Doug Morone. It should be the I mean it should be the offensive line coach saying, you, you you we paid you to be the highest paid center at that time and you're not giving us that you're not getting any value for that. Norway, we paid you to be the highest paid guard at that time and you're not giving us our value for that. And, and that's what it is. I think Ngakwe – who Let hasn't been paid guys, yet, by the who way. Who hasn't been paid yet. You know, is probably looking at those guys and saying, you guys need to play better. Yeah, and, and that's what it's about. I mean, you want a young guy like Ngakwe. If the Jaguars don't resign in Ngakwe, it's going to be a travesty. And then everybody who is a part of that that doesn't sign him needs to go because he's a player that needs to be in Jacksonville. He doesn't play the run exceptionally great. But he's confronting their starting center at the end of the game about losing the game in the late November uh that at home that that he should be. And if he's telling him that he needs to play better, you got that's a guy you want in that locker room because he's gonna hold all those guys to the fire. He's gonna tell you, hey, you're not playing good enough. And and you know what? That means he can be held to the fire as well when he doesn't play good enough and that's what you want in your locker room. And if Ngakwe doesn't get inside the Jaguars are going to make a big mistake.
2: Well, regard. Well, first of all, we we don't know who's going to be making those decisions come January, True. right? Because obviously, he's not going to be he's, he's not going to be signed any kind of extension here in the next four no. weeks. So it's, this is going to happen after the season if it happens at all. And Ch- and I would think that if if they don't come to an agreement, they're probably going to franchise tag him. Probably going to do that. Uh, but yeah, I don't think there's any question that the Jaguars know. You look. You got two pretty. Young guys and Josh Allen and Unique Ngakwe. and you know you've and you're, you're you've got you've got Josh Allen for at least another two years at a very reasonable salary, right? Because right. he's on his rookie deal, correct? Right. And so and and you know with Ramsey gone, you know that uh, you don't have to worry about that end of things. So the, the money will be it will be there for Ngakwe. Whether he gets the money he wants is that's a totally uh, different issue. But um, speaking of other issues that are that are going on with the Jags. Uh, be remiss not to mention Miles Jack today going on IR. He's done for the year. Uh didn't have a very productive year. Had that one uh one game. I think I can't remember if it was against the Jets. I think it was against the Jets where he had the or the Bengals where he had the really good interception. Uh but uh, certainly hasn't lived up to the to the 57 million dollar extension he signed on August the 31st. Donald Payne goes in this past this past Sunday, uh you know, virtually off the street, 13 tackles, one sack a near interception in another play. Um, you know, the the Jaguars have got to somehow find a way this weekend. The most important thing is they've got to get on top a little bit. They can't this, – this business of having three points or six points at halftime, I mean, this is getting old. They're averaging like three points a game over this course – in the first half over this four-game losing streak. Some of that is the offense. Some of it is the defense. But uh, – the Jaguars have got to get to a place where they're playing complementary football, and they're just not doing
3: it. Right. The thing you talk about is the, the turnovers. and What the Jaguars have done is turned the ball over and not gotten any turnover. So it's been lopsided, and that's why you have lopsided scores when the Jaguars are getting beat. They're turning the ball over, giving the offense – uh, the other offense, an opportunity to score. Our defense isn't stopping anybody. Uh, you looked at Jameis Winston. He didn't have a phenomenal game for a throw, a lot of touchdown passes, but he threw the ball short. He threw it long. He threw it intermediate. He converted on third down. They ran the ball effectively. And that's what teams have been able to do against the Jaguars. They're converting third downs. They're, they're moving the ball efficiently as against the Jaguars. And if we can't move the ball efficiently, uh, we're, it's bad football, and that's what's going on. And we've got to find a way. It does hurt a lot to lose Miles Jack, you know, for the rest of the season. Uh, he's a guy that is, is truly playing out of position. Uh, you know, I don't think he's a middle linebacker. I think he's truly a strong side linebacker, weak side linebacker guy. Uh, somebody that can you know, play off the edge when you put him in the middle uh, he's used to playing on that edge, he's going to pick a side you know, typically one side or another and he creates some lanes and that's what's been happening to the Jaguars. Hopefully uh, they can find and get some play out of Jack Ryan, a guy who they signed to play the middle linebacker. Uh, hopefully he'll get some reps here and he'll be a guy that will be evaluated because they signed him uh, to be the middle linebacker.
2: Alright, we have got to get to a break here uh, when we come back Damon and I will get into our Thumbs Up, Thumbs Down weekly segment. You have been listening right here to The Press, 97.3 The Game and AM 930, Jacksonville's sports leader.
1: The Press with Gene Fernet and Damon Jones continues here on The Game. All righty,
2: we got about, uh, oh, I don't know, about 25, 28 minutes left here in this show. I want to uh, briefly go over the uh, Jaguars injury report for today. We got three guys that did not practice. Uh, tight end Seth DeValve uh, got the oblique, safety Ronnie Harrison with the concussion, and D.D. Westbrook missed his second practice in a row for personal reasons. Uh, got other guys that are limited, but I don't I, I don't uh, suspect that this will be an issue For this weekend, the 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 two biggest ones there are are clearly Ronnie Harrison and uh, Seth DeValve. I I suspect that Didi Westbrook will be back uh, to play on Sunday. Now it's time for my favorite segment of the week. Damon and I go toe to toe on Thumbs Up.
0: 18 plus. Thumbs down.
1: A wise man once said, what goes up must come down. And now we explore that notion a little deeper here on the press. Gene and Damon are going to give you their verdict on four questions. Emperor Nero style in the Roman Coliseum. It's thumbs up or thumbs
4: down here on the press. All right, you guys. First question. Gus Bradley's defense ranked number four in the NFL will hold Leonard Fournette under 70 yards rushing.
3: I'm going to go thumbs down. I believe Leonard Fournette is going to uh, run the football effectively uh, against San Diego. Uh, I think he'll get 85 to 100 yards rushing. I think he's uh, hungry. He's been a good back all year. Uh, I think he'll get over seventy.
2: I'm gonna go thumbs up here. Um, I, ju- I just think that the char- the Chargers defense, uh, pretty, you know, I- I'm sure the Jaguars will try to emphasize the run, particularly when you've got we've got pass rushers like Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram coming off the edge. But uh, I I just don't I, I don't like how. Uh, how the Jaguars in recent weeks uh, they 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 spent one game where they gave Leonard Fournette a ton of touches, gave him about thirty three touches, I believe it was in the uh, Tennessee game. But uh, I I just don't I don't like the consistency the way this offensive line is blocking, and I, j- I just I don't like the odds of him getting over. you know, hopefully for him he does get over seventy. But I'm gonna go thumbs down on this.
4: All right, next with Miles Jack on injured reserve, the Jaguars should rethink his future position. And move him back
3: to strong side linebacker. I'm gonna go thumbs up. They definitely need to move Miles Jack to his rightful position, uh, so he can uh, be an effective player for us. Uh, I mean, this is the same guy that you know people screamed about. You know, Miles Jack wasn't down. Now they want to scream that he's uh, you know overpaid and. You know, we wasted money on him. That's not the guy. I mean, this guy is a good football player. We were lucky to draft him when we got him. Uh, he failed to us, obviously, because of the injuries. He's overcome those. Uh, I think he's a player, when you put him in his right position, that could be a guy like uh, Smith from the uh, Cowboys.
2: I am also going uh, thumbs up on this. I've, I've been a long-time proponent that ever since Miles Jack was moved to middle linebacker, it, it just doesn't do enough. To, uh, to accentuate accentuate his athleticism, I think it's much. I think he's much more suited to the strong side linebacker position. I know Todd Walsh is has been really stubborn on this, and he insists that Miles Jack is the middle linebacker. He can play middle linebacker. I just don't think he plays it to the level that he would play the strong side side, because it just you know, he's much better moving side to side. Much better being able to maybe freelance a little bit on, from the strong side position. The middle linebacker is about is about physicality. It's about shedding blockers. You know, Paul Posluszny was perfectly suited for that position. I just don't think Miles Jack is. And I think whoever is coaching the Jaguars on defense next year should realize that and move him over.
4: Okay, next question. With Gardner Minshew back as the Jaguars starting QB... The Jaguars' offense will score more than 20 points for the first time since their last win in Week 8 versus the New York Jets.
3: Ooh, I'm going to go thumbs down. I think that uh, we're going to have to get a defensive score, a special team score. I don't know if offensively they'll score 20 points by themselves. I think we'll have over 20 points, but I don't think the offense will score all 20 points.
2: I'm gonna go thumbs up. I don't say that with a terrible amount of confidence. I just I, I just kind of just feel like this Jaguar offense is due to have a little bit of a breakout and maybe they can do it against a team that's having to fly all the way across the country for a road game. Let's not forget the Chargers are four and eight too. they don't have a whole they, in terms of playoffs or postseason they don't have anything to play for either. And I I just think that the the you know maybe the excitement and maybe Gardner Minshew's penchant for making plays, extending plays, will get you you know will get you a touchdown, get you an extra field goal that you might not otherwise get. So I like the Jaguars to go over twenty points this week, and maybe just maybe uh, you know find that spark at least for one week.
4: Next question. Phillip Rivers, averaging 274 yards passing per game, will only get 250 yards or less and have at least one interception.
3: I'm gonna go thumbs down. I hate to say it, but Phillip Rivers has always come and played very, very well against the Jaguars. Uh, I look for him to do the same thing. even in, you know, a couple years ago, I remember him being here and, you know, the Jaguars had to come back late to get a victory against him. Uh, you know, he's a tough guy. You know, he's been in the league for a long time. Um, you know, this could be his last, you know, well, you know ch- playing time in, in Jacksonville. So I look for him to have a big game.
2: I am actually going to go thumbs up. I agree that Phillip Rivers has been, you know, has been torturing the Jaguars for over 10 years. But he had just an okay game here two years ago. The Chargers should have won the game. Trey Boston got the interception with over a minute and a half to go, and he didn't bother to return. He could have returned at 20, 25 yards. He just simply ran right out of, out of bounds, not realizing the Jaguars still had three timeouts. And he also cost them a lot of field position, which allowed Josh Lambeau to kick the game-time field goal. Jaguars win in overtime, but you know Philip Rivers. Some it, it just seems like he's in a little bit of a decline. Eight picks over the course of a three-game stretch. There, uh, you know, I, I certainly see the Jaguars getting at least one pick in this game, and I think that uh, I, I think holding him under 250 is a reasonable, reasonable task to ask of this defense.
4: Last but not least, the Jacksonville Jaguars will snap their four-game winning streak. Four-game losing streak, I apologize, and get a win this Sunday.
3: <laughs> I'm going to go thumbs up. <laughs> uh, it doesn't gonna be sound tough. like
2: he's saying it with a whole lot of confidence, does it? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I
3: really think Phillip Rivers is going to play well. I know that, you know, like you said, that they let the Jaguars off the hook uh last time and, and gave up a, a win late in overtime. Uh, I hope the Jaguars, you know, Mensumania can uh, bring some excitement. Uh, the fans are, you know, fired up, and they can get off to an early start and possibly jump on top of the Chargers early and uh, make the play from behind, and then they can possibly get some of those interceptions from Phillip Rivers.
2: I'm also going thumbs up. Look, this is this is like it's 1:45 in the morning. This is last call, okay? The Jaguars are at the bar, and this is last call. If you don't win this game this Sunday, the rest of the season really doesn't matter because you're not giving your fans any hope for the rest of the year. Uh, the the Gardner Minshew mania will will uh, fervor will diminish a little bit if they lose again on Sunday. Uh, so for those for those reasons, I think I, the Jaguars are overdue to finally play a good game. And uh, and maybe and I'm just thinking that maybe Minshew can inspire them a little bit. So I'm going to go thumbs up. All right. So we 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 still got it. We still got a couple more minutes in the, in this segment. And uh, you know you know Damon, one of the things I, I do want to go with you, over with you briefly. A lot of speculation on the Jaguars' future. How much of this uh, power triumvirate of Tom Coughlin, uh, Doug Marone, and and GM Dave Caldwell will still be here at the end of the season? I think. You know, I'm sure a lot of fans think, well, of course, Shad Khan is going to do this thorough house cleaning and get rid of everybody. But the, we've known from Shad Khan's history, he's kind of unpredictable, and he has a reputation for being very patient. Uh, you, you, do you see all three of them gone, or do you think only part of them will be gone when they, when when all is said and done?
3: Uh, you know, I think obviously it's going to depend on how these games go. These next four games, uh, if they continue to go. The way they have been, where they've been scored, what, 149 to 40 something. Uh, If they continue to go that way, then I could see uh, Shaq Khan uh, cleaning house because when you listen to that press conference he had last year, he said, you know, obviously 3 and 13 and, you know, going into the future, wasn't, you know, this wasn't going to be the the precedent that the Jaguars wanted and that, you know, it was going to be unacceptable. Uh, so when you look at this, if we have a you know if they lose this game, that's going to mean that they're going to have a losing record. They're going to be at least nine, you know, seven and nine, whatever. But they're going to have a losing record. Uh, that's going to be unacceptable in my eyes. So somebody's going to be be gone. I think Doug Marone at this point is definitely gone. I think uh, you look at some of the coaching and, and some of the ways that things have gone. I think uh, I look at the Richardson situation. There's a guy we drafted in 18. Uh, him and Kane are battling for the right guards, you know, spot. And if those are your two best guys and Norwell's playing the way he's playing, put Richardson over there. Let him play left. Take Norwell out. That's a coaching decision I think that as Shaq Khan, you gotta look at that and say, why hasn't he made this move? We got these guys rotating. If you say you feel these two are the best too and he's not, why is he still playing? And I think those are some of the coaching things that uh, we'll eventually have Doug Marrone gone at the end of this season. I think Monday he'll be, you know, he'll be one of the coaches that fired on on, on Monday.
2: Uh, it'll, it'll certainly be interesting to see how this all unfolds. I I do think that Tom Coughlin of the three uh, might have the best chance to survive. We will see. We've got to get to a break here. When we come back, Damon and I will get to our NFL six pack. And don't forget tonight, Chicago Bears hosting the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday Night Football, and you can hear that right here. On 97.3 The Game and AM 930, Jacksonville's sports leader.
1: The Press with Gene Fournette and Damon Jones continues here on The Game. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening
2: to The Press right here on 97.3 The Game, AM 930. I'm Gene Fournette, sports columnist from the Florida Times-Union. Here in studio as I am every Thursday night with my colleague, former Jaguars tight end Damon Jones. And it is time for the NFL six-pack.
1: Most sports shows and their hosts love to do top five lists. While here on the press, Gene and Damon go above and beyond. The press is more of a six-pack kind of show. Here are Gene and Damon's top six teams in the NFL with their weekly six-pack here on the press. Number six.
3: My number 16 this week is new to my list, and I watched them on Thanksgiving Day, and they were able to defeat the Dallas Cowboys, and they played very, very well. I look at this young quarterback. I don't know if he's going to be the future for the Bills or whatever, but the kid plays decent football. Their defense gets after people, and they've been able to win some football games. I don't look them to win the AFC East, but I look for them to possibly sneak into the playoffs and cause some havoc for people. Buffalo Bills.
2: My number six, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, You know, there's not – a whole lot of people paying much attention to Green Bay, as 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 funny as that sounds, because you know you got a super, you got a star quarterback and Aaron Rodgers. They just sort of been quietly, you know, getting their job done, staying in first place in the NFC North. Uh, took care of business last week, went on the road, beat the Giants, thirty-one to thirteen, and uh, you know they they just seem to they just seem to be on a, a good course, and it just it just looks like a team that's probably. Going to uh, get maybe a three seed uh, in the NFC, possibly a two, depending on how things go along. But uh, they just seem like they've uh, they've got things together for the most part on both sides of the ball. A few hiccups here and there, but I like the Packers. Number five. My number five, the New England Patriots. And I even struggled to put them this high uh, <laughs> after what I saw the other night with that dreadful offense against the Houston Texans. I mean, amazingly, the Patriots almost pulled out that game. I mean, they were just uh, one reach of uh, on an onside kick from recovering that ball, which would have given them a chance to go down and win the game in the last uh, minute and a half or whatever it was. But uh, uh, clearly, Tom Brady's obviously very, very frustrated. But when you've got the number one, number, one number two defense in the NFL, you're always going to have a chance. But, boy. The Patriots sure don't look like a team right now that can win any playoff games with that offense.
3: Wow. I think you were looking at my list, Gene. I moved the Patriots to number five as well. I watched that struggle as well with the Patriots, and it's been a while that they've been struggling like that. Uh, you know, you look at you know Deshaun Watson, the way he was able to uh, be effective against that defense, and you look at Lamar Jackson against that defense. Mobile quarterbacks hurt that defense. Uh, what will they be able to do if they play some more mobile quarterbacks? And obviously, that's what they're going to see in the playoffs. But they're a good team. They're good. They're very well coached. Uh, they're going to be a tough team to beat wherever they play. Number four. My number four, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, they've been just chugging along. They've clinched their division already. They're going to be a team that's going to be in the playoffs. They're going to host a game in their in that. Then that stone it's going to be loud uh, you know obviously the thing is going to be can they stay healthy this last month they don't have any major injuries or any setbacks uh, to to, uh, to hurt them going into that playoffs uh, so look for Kamara to, to get some rest and Latavius Murray to get some more touches
2: my number four is probably a team that more people that more people would probably have most people would have a little bit higher but I've got the Seattle Seahawks at number four uh did a nice job the other day uh, hanging on to beat, to beat the Vikings at home, 37-30. They've got to go to the Rams this week. Uh, uh, Russell Wilson has done an unbelievable job, and obviously he's probably the only player in the National Football League that's got a chance to maybe beat out Lamar Jackson for MVP. But I just don't – I'm, I'm still a little bit unsure about the rest of that Seattle Seahawks, the offensive line, and even some aspects of their defense as well. Uh, They're obviously going to go to the playoffs, but uh, I've I've still got them at number four for now. Number three. My number three, the San Francisco 49ers. (laughs) I know it sounds contrary to put the 49ers ahead of the Seahawks. I just think that the 49ers are a better team. I know they're both 10-2, and and I know Seattle went down to San Francisco and they beat them. But the way the 49ers played last week, going toe-to-toe with the Ravens on the road the way they did, losing on the last-second field goal by Justin Tucker, I just I just think the 49ers are still one of the three best teams in the NFL. And, uh, you know, to me, between their rock-solid defense and pretty steady play from quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the postseason.
3: I'm totally convinced you looked at my uh, list, Gene, because I have the 49ers at three as well. I think Gene's been cheating. Uh, The 49ers, like you said, Jimmy Garoppolo has been consistent. He doesn't turn the football over. Their defense is what drives that team and gets them going. Uh, If you're able to control their defensive line, they struggle a little bit, but they haven't been controlled, and that's why they're a good football team. Look for the 49ers to to really cause some havoc down the stretch of the season. Number two, my number two is the Seattle Seahawks. I look at Russell Wilson and the way he's playing. I look at that game against uh, Minnesota. Uh, that was a very benchmark game to go there and get that win. Uh, Minnesota had been playing very well. Uh, Kirk Cousins, you know, still played good in that game, and it went down to the wire. But Russell Wilson finds ways to make plays for his team to win, and he, as long as he continues to do that, the Seahawks, Seattle Seahawks, will have a chance.
2: My number two, the New Orleans Saints. So we we flipped our four and our twos. Um, you know, it's, it's you know it's a toss up. But you know the the Saints now. I mean, they can. You you can't you can't put it on total cruise control because you're still you're still battling Seattle and San Francisco for the best record in the NFC. So even though they've clinched the division, uh, I still the one thing that, that that I like about about the New Orleans Saints. To me, they play about as good a situational football as anybody else in the NFC. They they don't necessarily wow you; they just keep finding ways to win in certain situations. You know, they 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 beat the Falcons fairly comfortably last week, twenty six to eighteen. Now they're going to be hosting the Forty Nine ers, which is maybe the maybe the best game of the uh, of the entire week this week. Uh, I just I just like the way the, the Saints are, are are playing and the fact that they've got the Forty Nine ers at home. This week we'll find out a lot more about the Saints this week. That's for sure. Number one, my number one is probably everybody's number one, the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I mean, what more can you say? I mean, it's not ju- it's not just what Lamar Jackson has done, to, you know, to vault himself to the favorite role in the MVP race. Uh, that whole organization just knows how to win. I mean, it's, it's plain and simple. I mean, the, what they did with the, they took the 49ers' best shot last week, and they were able to pull out that game uh, at the gun. Now, and and they're going to have another tough game this week. To me, the Ravens have one of the tougher games this week. You just came off playing an emotional game with the 49ers, and now you've got to go play at Buffalo in December. Uh, I mean, if the Ravens can pull out that game, uh, kudos to them because that's 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 a that's a back-to-back double dipper there. That's pretty tough beating San Francisco and go, then going to Buffalo uh, if they do it they'll certainly deserve to stay number 1.
3: Uh yeah, yeah. like you like you said everybody's number 1 is the, my number 1 the Ravens. Uh they took the like you said they took the 49ers best shot in the rain. Uh you know, Lamar Jackson is doing some amazing things. He's going to probably break Michael Vick's uh, uh quarterback rushing record of 1039 yards I believe it is. He's at 9 something. He's averaging almost 80 yards a game, uh, rushing the football. Uh, you know, he makes really, really big plays with his arm and his legs. Uh, and, you know, he gives his team a, an opportunity to win. And if they, if their defense continue to get better, uh, they're going to have a real, real good uh, run in the playoffs. All right, we've got uh,
2: that does it for our NFL six-pack. We've got about a minute left. I want to get into this thing real quick with Damon. Two home games left. Tom Coughlin implored the fans to show up last week. Uh, they announced attendance of about 62,000. It looked like there was maybe about 50 in the house. There's going to be less this week. I don't think there's any question about that. The question is how much less. And, and, and Damon, how tough is it if you go into your own house and, you know, the atmosphere is a little bit somewhat sedated? You know, we got thir- we got 30 seconds.
3: Uh, you know, obviously you want the fans to show up. Uh, the fans, you know, I, I look at it as this. You, you got good weather here. Uh, fans show up to Buffalo, Cleveland, Cincinnati—all those teams that have had bad cities, uh, bad teams. You got to show up. And the Jags are having a bad season. You got to show up and support your team.
2: All right. Well, that does it uh, for our show tonight. We appreciate all of you out there listening to us. Stay tuned a little bit later tonight. NFL football. Chicago Bears will be hosting the Dallas Cowboys right here on nine thirty. The game on, 9, on 9, AM nine thirty and ninety-seven three. The game.